children's room. And while they're going, we're going to turn to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to start with verse 22 this morning. But before we actually read that, I have a, I guess, a housekeeping issue that I want to discuss with you. So uh, we'll we'll take a look at that first. Uh, I want to start by saying to the ladies, thank you for the tremendous job you did yesterday. That was a tremendous meal, and uh, we we certainly uh, appreciate that. And I want to say, praise the Lord for the new facilities. We, uh, it, it went so much smoother yesterday, not having to tell everybody, clear out of here so we can set up the tables, and, and uh, it, it just made it go so much better. And then I want to say a special word of thanks to Mark and to Diane for making this possible. Without their technical help of getting things set up, it wouldn't have happened because if it was up to me, it wouldn't have happened. So uh, we, we appreciate the, the, all the effort that they put in to making that. Now, in saying all of that, I realize it wasn't a perfect system, and it still isn't a per- perfect system. There's a lot of things that we need to work out in that system, and it's just a temporary one to begin with. But I wonder how many of you this morning felt out of your comfort zone? Where do we sit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, in there, everybody had their space. Kind of, we kind of get, you ever have a barn full of cows for milking? Yeah, they all come in and they know where their space is. Now, some of them will deliberately not go into that space, but, but at least they know. And now we don't know. We're out of our comfort zone. And the problem that I want to address this morning is Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. He says, do all things without murmuring or complaining. And from the very beginning yesterday until this morning, I have heard a lot of murmuring and complaining (laughs) uh, uh, about the way that things, it started yesterday, one couple came in here, they were the very first ones to come in here and they sat down over here. And those speakers were moved in and the first thing they said is, we can't see the pulpit, you're gonna have to move things up there. Uh, they weren't from our church. They, they, they were visiting. And I looked around the room, and every chair is empty. I said, well, why don't you move to the other end of the row, and you can see fine. Oh, we can't do that because we always sit on the outside. I said, well, you have a choice. You can either move or you're not going to see. Uh, they chose not to see. Uh, uh, but that was the way a lot of the day went yesterday. Uh, and I, as I thought about that, I thought of three options. Number one, we can continue to complain if we want and criticize. I, I, I realize it's not a perfect system. We, don't, we, we have it installed, but we don't know, have it operating fully yet. It will be in a couple weeks or possibly even next week. But... Uh, Somehow, I don't think that's a good option because Ephesians chapter 4, we look at the fact that we're to walk worthy of the Lord. And I don't think that's worthy of the Lord. So, uh, yeah, that, that's really not an option to me. The other one is we can work together to make this work. There's a lot of work that needs to be done yet, a lot of finishing work, a lot of work outside. Are, are, are we willing to say, I'm available, I'll help? finish the job so that we can make this what, what it should be? Are, are we willing to volunteer our time and our effort there? 
Or we could move back into the old section until we're sure everything is 100% the way we want it. I really don't care on those two options, which one you choose. But I'm going to say if you make that choice, I'm not moving the chairs. <laughs> so you have to be willing to step in and do the work. And I, and I say that carefully because, you know, what I noticed yesterday, the ladies actually did twice as much work as they should have done. The ladies not only fixed the meal and served the meal, they set up all of the chairs that were in there and the tables outside and so forth. They shouldn't have had to do that. that, that we were expecting too much of them. And then when it came time to put things away, there was only about two of our men there. Uh, a lot of the visitors jumped in, tipped the tables down, moved the chairs for us. That wasn't right. They should have been able to visit with Sandy and the family uh, instead of having to jump in. And, and I, I realized they did it willingly, and, and I was appreciative of that, but it was a little bit embarrassing. So I think the time has come to quit the complaining and say, Lord, what would you have us to do? How are we going to make this work? Now, you may have to do some shifting around in here. If you don't like where you're sitting today, you don't hear well or see well, try somewhere else next week. We've got a lot of empty places you can fit into. Don't feel you're locked into just because you're there today. You're, you're not locked in there forever. So uh, let's make it work to the glory of, of Jesus Christ. Well, enough said on that. Let's look at, at uh, Ephesians. Did somebody call my name? <laughs> no. <laughs> or you got a call for my resignation after saying all of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 5. And I noticed the one thing that we didn't do, we didn't move the clock in here. <laughs> so we don't have to worry about the time this morning. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 22. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husband, loves your, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own body. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. For this cause a man shall leave his father and mother, shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each individual among you also love his own wife, even as himself, and let the wife see to it that she respect her husband. Someone has made the comment, home is the place where we're treated the best and complain the most. Yes, few, few of you get, see the humor in that. <laughs> the rest of you would just like to complain. <laughs> no, seriously. H home is the place where we're often treated the best, but if we're not careful, we complain the most. To a large degree, home is what we make it. What we invest in it today 
Now, we have been called, as we've worked our way through Ephesians, we have called in chapter 4 to walk worthy of the Lord. That involves walking in love, walking in light, walking in wisdom. And then last week we looked at those principles of walking wisely, making the most of the opportunity, walking filled with the Spirit, and so forth. All of that has to be worked out in our daily life. And one of the places to start working out our faith is at home. If our faith doesn't work at home, it's not going to work out in the world. It has to begin in our home today. And so we come to a practical section here that Paul brings to us that starts actually back in verse 21, where he says, I want you to be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. As, as you think about that, and you read verse 22, we've changed it a little bit in our English translation. In verse 22, there is no verb in that word. So it flows out of verse 21. But the reason it flows out of verse 21 is because, you know, we like to think, men, wives are supposed to be submissive to us. But that's not what he's saying here. He's also saying, men, we are to be submissive to our wives. We each have a different role to fulfill. And so uh, we, we have to be careful with this particular passage. The, the key passage is verse 21. And now we're going to three, three, see three illustrations of how that works out in life. In, in, in what the passage we read this morning, it deals, we work it out in the husband-wife relationship. Next week, we'll look at the parent-child relationship. How are parents to be submissive to their children and children to their parents? And, and then we'll look at the master-slave relationship or if we put it into today's language, employer-employee relationship. And, and how do we live out our faith on our job? Now, when you stop and think about those three areas, that occupies most of our time, doesn't it? So what he's saying is, I want you to take these principles that we've looked at, starting in chapter four, walking worthy of the Lord, and I want you to put them into practice in your daily life. It's not just on Sunday morning, but day by day in, in, in the course of our activities, we are to live out these principles in our life. And so we're going to look at the husband-wife area today. And I, I know that some of you don't have a husband or a wife, and so you say, time for me to go to sleep. No, it, it actually is, isn't, because these principles are transferable. Just as uh, we're to submit here, notice he said this has to do with Christ and the church, and we're part of the church. So there, he's saying something to each one of us, whether we actually have a partner today or not. That is, is immaterial to what he's saying here. Also, the, the second thing I wanted to stress as we look at what he says to husbands and look at what he says to wives is I want you to listen to your part. I, I don't want, uh, husbands, I don't want you to go home and say, Pastor Dan said, you have to do this. <laughs> or wives, don't go home and tell your husbands, Pastor Dan said, you have to do this. No, uh, ask yourself, what is God saying to you? And, and let God speak to somebody else in, in the way in which he wants to. I, I, I don't need that kind of trouble. So uh, apply it to yourself. Don't apply it to the person sitting next to you here today. 
I want to start by asking, what does submission involve? That is not a popular term today in the day and age in which we live. I remember preaching on 1 Timothy chapter 2 several years ago, and I found out that submission wasn't a popular term back in the 1980s either. I, after I preached on that where it says that the woman was not to usurp authority over the man and, and uh, to teach man and so forth, and I thought I gave what I thought it said, I got a very irate call the next morning. <laughs> a lady asked me if I could come over to the house and, and talk with her, and she, she said, if you're going to, to preach that I have to submit to my husband, I'm going to find another church. Uh, and uh, uh, so I explored that area with her. I said, well, don't you think that you have a responsibility to submit to your husband? And she said, no. I, I said, well, what about, uh, as we went on, I realized we weren't getting very far, but I said, do you have a responsibility to submit to Jesus Christ? And her answer was, no. I don't have to submit to Jesus Christ. Now, I, I realized there was an element of truth in what she said. She didn't have to submit to Christ, but she had to live with the consequences. And uh, I turned to her husband and I said, now, where are you on this issue? And he said, well, she's my wife, so if she goes, I go. Uh, so we said goodbye. <laughs> and they left the church. They, they went through three or four other churches in the next couple of years, but uh, that, that was their problem, not, not, not ours. It, and the problem was that she failed to understand what submission really is. So that's what I want to start with today, because in verse 21, he said, submit to one another. Not wives submit, but each of us have a responsibility to submit. So first of all, submission has nothing to do with our worth or our ability. It is not implying that one is inferior to the other. Um, Jesus repeatedly recognized and upheld the dignity of each individual. Didn't matter whether it was a man or a woman. Didn't matter what uh, age they were, whether it was a little child or an adult. It didn't matter what race they were from. He ministered to each individual, and they were all of value to him. The ground is level at the cross. In Galatians chapter 3, he says, for all of you who have been baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. We all come to Christ the same way. We are all valuable to him. One is not more valuable than the other. We, we all have that responsibility to come to Jesus Christ. It has nothing to do with our worth or our ability today. Submission, on the other hand, has to do with our role or the office that God has placed us in. God is a God of order. God is the one who has created a chain of command. He is Lord. He is the head. We serve under him. We each have our area of responsibility, and, and he's the one that chooses those responsibilities for us there. In 1 Peter chapter 5, in verse 3, he says, we don't serve for selfish reasons. We serve because God has gifted us or encouraged us to serve in those areas. And so uh, let's take a look at the first major area. He's looking at the husband and wife re relationship here. Now, 
I, I realize when I say we have different roles, different offices, some of you might not like that. Uh, I, I like uh, years ago in our church in Grangeville, we had a couple. Uh, she was from the Lutheran background. He, he was from uh, independent church background. But they had worked sit the system out there in Grangeville where they would go to the Lutheran church at 9 o'clock in the morning. And, and then our Sunday school started at 10. If they didn't tarry after the service at, at, their ch at her church, they could make Sunday school. And, and then they would stay for the 11 o'clock service. So, uh, and, and that worked out fine for them for years. That they, 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 they both worked well together, both worked in the church together. Then they moved into Lewiston, or into Lewiston and uh, didn't have that, the convenience of that. So for her benefit, he decided he would go with her and they would join the Lutheran Church. Now, there are several different groups of Lutheran churches and, and this was the Missouri Synod and it was very conservative. Uh, very good doctrinally and so forth, so it, it, they, they enjoyed the fellowship there. But on one occasion, they were traveling, and they wanted to go to church, and they found a Lutheran church, and they didn't know which group it was with. So they went, went in, and they found out it was with a different group, and it, it had a lady pastor and so forth, and it was Communion Sunday. So they asked in advance, is it permissible for us, coming from another church, to celebrate communion in your church? And she, she said, you're more than welcome to celebrate it if you're a Lutheran. And, uh, but she said, keep in mind, I'm a lady pastor and I'm going to serve the community. So if you have a problem with that, you better not take it. And I still remember Leroy's reply to that. He looked at her and he said, I don't have a problem with it, but I didn't write the book. <laughs> Good way to put it. So if if, if you have some exceptions with what God is saying here to wives or husbands, don't take it out on Pastor Dan. I didn't write the book. <laughs> you talked to the Lord about it this morning here. But he, he starts with the wives. What does God expect of wives? What is their role in, in the home? And he gives two commands to the wives. The first one is to submit to their husbands. Now, God gave the headship of the home to the husband. And again, we can ask, why did he do that? I don't know. You're going to have to ask him that when you get to glory. That's simply the way that he set it up back in creation. And every time Jesus spoke about marriage and every time Paul speaks about the roles of, in marriage in Timothy and in Corinthians, he al they always go back to creation there. So let's take a look at Genesis chapter 2 for just a moment. Verse 18. It says, then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Or uh, that word can also be translated, I will make someone that will complement him. Spelled with an E, not an I. Yeah, I, I realize those two words sound the same and, and look the same. And, and, and most of us aren't into grammar that much. But the, if you put the E in there, it means to complement or fulfill or or to help there, uh, make a helper for him. Yeah, it, it's not that she was made to say, oh, aren't you great, and so forth. That, that's, that's the wrong compliment there, that, that he's not using that, that one at that, that point in, in time. But you know, at, when you think of the order of creation, God created Adam, and the only thing in creation that he said it was not good was for man to be alone. He needed a helper. He needed someone that would complete the picture of 
who God really is. Uh, someone has, has said, you know, when God made Adam, he took a look at him and he said, I think I can do better than that. <laughs> and, 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 and he created Eve as a result of that. The, the picture in that creation there is Christ and the church. The church has a different role than Christ does. The husband has a different role than the wife. They were made to, so that together they can complete the picture to the world of who Jesus Christ is. We need both today. And, and so one is not better than the other. Each has a purpose to fulfill so that Christ can be glorified and magnified. That's why we need to be concerned about the fact that the day and age in which we live, the, the whole concept of marriage is being changed and, and redefined. We need to go back to what did God say it was a Christian marriage? Not, not what does the world say, but what, what, is, what does God say? Because if you destroy that picture, then you destroy the message that Christ had for, for the world there. So the first command is to submit to their own husband. The second command comes out of the verse 33 there, where she is to respect her husband. Now, we can force submission. You can't force respect. That is a choice that has to be made by the person that, that is doing the, re the respecting there. It's a little bit like the, the Dennis Menace cartoon where uh, Dennis was sitting in the, in the corner there. He had done something wrong, and uh, as his mom was leaving the room, he turned around and looked at his mom, and he said, I'm sitting on the outside, but I'm standing on the inside. <laughs> uh, he, he was rebelling against that, even though he was forced to, to sit in that chair. The idea of respect deals with the heart. It's an attitude. It, it's, uh, we, we can be resentful, we can be critical, we can be bitter, or we can respect the the position that God has for us there. We need to be careful that we live in such a way that we reflect the character of Jesus Christ. If we're critical, if we are bitter, we're going to mar the picture that, that God has for us today. It detracts from the glory of God. In 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter, in writing about these very same things, said, you know, a woman's beauty is not just to be outward. It's not the clothes, it's not the makeup, it's not all that goes with that. He said, it is to be the heart. If the heart is not right, it doesn't matter uh, what the outside looks like there. Uh, and this is a tremendous calling. I, I looked at several of the Proverbs in preparation for this. Proverbs 14, or chapter 2, verse 4 says, an excellent wife is what? A crown to her husband. In chapter 19, uh, verse 14, he said, he that finds a wife finds favor from the Lord, finds a good thing there. And in chapter 31, verse 10, he says, an excellent wife, who can find it? Uh, so ladies, yours is a high and holy calling. It's not a demeaning role. It is a calling through which you can reveal the glory of Jesus Christ to those that come in contact with you. God has given you that a tremendous job and a tremendous opportunity to be a blessing. Well, what does God expect of husbands in this passage? Uh, there's only one commandment given to the husbands here. Uh, and we might say, well, that's not fair. We had two for the wives, only one for the husbands. Well, uh, ladies, I, 
Now, I'm sure you're already aware of this, but uh, men have shorter attention spans <laughs> than, than women. So he, he, he was doing good to get by with one here. No, uh, actually, it's a command that sounds easy. Husbands, do what? Love your wives. But it's a little more difficult to put that into practice. And if you don't believe that, look at the number of broken homes, of troubled homes that, that we have and troubled marriages and so forth. It's because so many times, men, we fail to understand what it means to love as Christ loved the church. That's the role and the responsibility that he gives to us. What kind of love did Christ have for the church? It was, first of all, a sacrificial love. Christ loved so much that he gave his life for us. He went to the cross so that we could be part of him. I think an Old Testament example of that, of Jacob. Jacob fled for his life, wound up in the land of Haran, and uh, fell in love with a, a beautiful woman that was there, worked seven years so that he could claim her as his wife. And then he was cheated, uh, got the wrong wife. And uh, he went and worked another seven years for Rachel, 14 years for Rachel. Remarkable when you stop to think about it. That's how much he loved her. He was willing to sacrifice for 14 years so that he could win her as his wife. The story is told of Alexander the Great. On one occasion, he had overrun a small kingdom had captured the king and his family, and had, they were brought before him in chains. He looked at the king, and he said, Alexander said to him, what would you give me if I gave you my freedom? And this king looked at him for a moment, and he said, I would give you all, or I would give you my throne. And uh, he said, okay, what would you give me if I set your family free? He said, I would gladly give you everything that I possess. And then he said, what would you do or what would you give me if I set your wife free? And he said, I would give my life for her. Alexander was so touched and so moved that he set him free. Didn't demand any payment from them. He, he just re released them at, at that point. Too often, we focus on ourselves if we're not careful, man. We focus on our needs, on, on our desires, when we should be focusing on what does our partner really need. That's sacrificial love. Let me give you a practical example. You've had a busy day. Uh, you, you come home and you're both tired and uh, what do you do? Sit down in the easy chair while she fixes dinner and then uh, after dinner, go back to the easy chair while she cleans up or do you say, I'll do the dishes today? So wait a minute, that's not my job. I don't care whether it's your job or not. It, it wasn't really God's or Christ's job to go to the cross. He did it because he loved us. Uh, when it comes to priorities uh, in what we buy, what's most important? That newest gadget, that newest toy, that, that uh, newest car or whatever it is, or is it something that our wife really needs for the home? What do we put priority on? Our needs or hers? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. How are we doing in that area? Your role as a husband does not give you the right to demand that she submit. It gives you the right to submit to what God expects of you. He expects you to, to reveal the loving character of Christ to, to your wife there. 
another practical area. How many of you have a, a honeydew list? <laughs> yeah, I, I can tell by the smile who, who has those lists. Uh, how often do you get around to doing those things or how often do you think, well, you know what, my projects are more important. I, I've got to do my projects first. Uh, if I have extra time, then I'll get around to that honeydew list. Or do you sacrifice some of the th things that you want to do for her? Are you loving her as Christ loved the church? It's also to be a sanctifying love in verse 26. Again, the example is Jesus Christ. It goes back to the culture, the, the Greek culture of that day, or the Roman culture, actually. Uh, on the wedding day, both the husband and wife would take a ceremonial bath before the wedding. That was so that to signify that they were coming in purity. And here Christ is making us pure through the washing of the word. You come to Revelation chapter 19 when you come to the, the, the marriage supper of the lamb, lamb there. The, the bride has made herself ready there. She's dressed in fine linen. There's no spot or, or wrinkle there. How do we do that? Men for our wives. Notice in verse 28, he said, Husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. And so it goes back to that concept again of sacrificial love. How, are we loving our wife in such a way that she's seeing Jesus Christ through us? Again, we, he speaks of the one flesh relationship there, but it's much more than that. There, there's so much more involved in, in becoming one. At, uh, at, at the way we treat our wife, I think, is a reflection of our love for Jesus Christ. It's a reflection of what we think about him and his word. In 1 Peter chapter 3, in verse 7, after he has six verses there for the wives, he has one verse for the men. And he encourages them to love their wives, to, to dwell with them as, uh, as the, uh, I'm going to get in trouble on that one. Uh, the, the, it says the weaker vessel in the King James Version. Uh, the, the word literally means more delicate. Uh, and uh, he said, if you don't treat your wife right, your prayers are going to be hindered. You want your prayer life to be what it should be? You better concentrate on being the husband that God called you to be and doing what God is asking you to do. Otherwise, God is not going to hear the prayers or answer the prayers as we should. Years in the first century, there was a, a rabbi that was dealing with some of these issues and his, his daughter was listening to what he was saying there. She came up with these wise words. She said, a woman was not taken from the head of a man to rule over him nor from his feet to be trampled upon by him, but from his side under his arm to be protected and close to his heart. That captures the idea of submission. We are not better than one another. The, the, the roles are not superior or inferior there. We are what we are because God chose us to be that way. And we are to live out those roles to the glory of Jesus Christ today. Now, the challenge here is, the question I would like to ask you is, how is your love life? Because he said, this is a what? A great mystery. It reflects the relationship of Christ to his church. I think perhaps in the day and age in which we live, the greatest testimony 
that we have today is a home in which husband and wife recognize their responsibilities before the Lord and love one another. We see so much of the opposite in society around about us. We have the privilege of reflecting that love to the world in which we live. And it will only happen as each seeks to fulfill their God-given role. So husbands, wives, how are you doing? I'm not asking how is your partner doing. I'm asking how are you doing. Don't, don't evaluate your partner in this. Uh, let them deal with that before the Lord. Are, are you accepting the role that God has given to you? Are you submitting to his will and his plan? Are you loving as Christ loved the church? Can the world looking at your relationship see a glimpse of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us in the church? And if they can't, do you need to make some changes in how you've been acting or reacting? Do you need to resubmit to the lordship of Jesus Christ? Because remember, as you look at this illustration here, Christ is the head doesn't matter what Pastor Dan said. It matters what did God say. What did Jesus Christ say? Are you living that out? And if you're not, then you've got to go back to him and ask his forgiveness and ask him to help you change there, to become all that he expects you to be today. Let's pray. Father, we don't understand the greatness of the mystery of Christ and the church. And yet as we stand in all of that, we want to stop and say thank you that Jesus Christ was willing to love us so much that he went to the cross and gave his life for us. Help us to live that thought out as we walk through our relationship with one another this week. Help us to love in such a way that others looking at us would get a glimpse of Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. We're going to sing... Oh, how he loves you and me.